Bear Down Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way. Pat, the designer, Courtney Cronin here on a Tuesday. Got to get more Bajent talk in here. Courtney got the talk with Tyson Bajent, so want to hear her thoughts on what she saw from him and some of his statements after the game as well. The Jalen Johnson contract situation, a little interesting. We saw him do the money dance, a little, little, little yeah, I mean, throw it in the air. I'm not mad at it. I mean, is there anything interesting with Jalen still happening at the deadline? What are we hearing around the league? All the expectations that we have coming up with this Bears team and more. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page. We got a jam-packed show, so let's jump into it because today's episode brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. Where you can see comedy legend Jay Leno at Hard Rock Live Saturday, November 11th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. You going to check out Jay Leno, Courtney? I mean, shoot, I didn't know he was there. You said that, and my my ears perked up a little bit. I'd love to see Jay Leno <laughs> live. You 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 big Jay know, Leno fan or Pete Davidson? Anyway. Um, I mean, I, I remember growing up watching Jay Leno on the like yeah. the, the you know at nighttime, but like I you know I didn't know he was touring for comedy, so I guess I'm all in on that one. I feel like when you're a comedy legend like those guys, like Leno, Chappelle, guys like that, like you don't actually tour. You're just like, I need some money for this thing I'm going to do on like Tuesday. So I'm going to just like do this event real quick yeah. and sell out a club. Like, what? wait, what? You sold out the Hard Rock Casino, but uh, Courtney, we got a lot to get to Bears wise around here. I mean, Tyson Bajan, he he looks the part. He fits the bill. He had a nice showing in his first game. We heard, you know, Jalen Johnson yesterday. Uh, I think he was on six seventy to score, saying that there isn't a quarterback controversy. But of course, we're always going to talk about mm-hmm. it in Chicago as if there is one. What'd you see from Tyson Bajan's play that maybe pushes the envelope a little bit for Justin Fields uh, uh, being the starting quarterback? Yeah, I think that. <sighs> It was one efficient, clean performance. As a backup quarterback, your number one thing you want to do when you go in there is not turn the ball over. And for him to walk away with a stat line that read, you know, 21 to 29 passes completed, 162 yards, a touchdowns, and zero interceptions, that's that's about as good of a day as you can hope for. Did he have to do anything spectacular or otherworldly to lead this team? No. And that was by design. I mean, you heard Matt Eberflus talk about that after the game, that they wanted to make sure that they put their backup quarterback in the best situation possible. So certainly with the run game, making sure that Max Crosby didn't become a game wrecker, so the protection. And that leads you down the path to know that this offensive line combination is going to be the one to stay going forward, where Cody Whitehair is at left guard, yeah. Evan Jenkins back at right guard, and Lucas Patrick at center, because they feel that that combination – is is to the benefit of the quarterback. Now, is it just to the benefit of Tyson Bajant? No. If when Justin Fields um, is healthy enough to play and is able to come back, that will be the offensive line combination you expect to stay. But it's, I think they did a really good job in building a game plan for a quarterback to make sure that the moment wasn't too big for him. And and yeah. that's what you saw. It's you now we talk about this quarterback competition and the controversy. Like we haven't even seen, you know. We don't know when second week. Yeah, like come on. Like if this becomes like a real conversation, if they win in Los Angeles, if Tyson Bajant has a good game there, and then you know, going into that Saints week, like we gotta see like where Justin Fields is. Right now he's doubtful, he's not playing more than likely for the Chargers game. And that's smart because he shouldn't feel any pressure to rush back right now because you don't want to go out there and re injure your thumb. Like his health first and foremost, has to be the priority here. But 
even if Tyson Bagent has a great game against the Chargers, I still don't think it means like, man, like we're, they're just going to have to continue to roll with him. It would take for me at least three wins, maybe four before they were like, no, sorry, we can't get off a winning horse. Like that's, he's got to put up bigger numbers too than 162 yards passing. Like, you know, mediocre passing performances are fine. If you can get those other elements of your team, you know, with how well the defense played, especially the run defense this past weekend and you know, how well the bears ran the ball. Like if you can have all of those elements continually week in and week out, then, then more power to you. But I don't think that that's an indication of where things stand with the quarterback right now. Tyson Bajant is filling in for Justin Fields and he's going to continue to be a fill in for Justin Fields. I just think that fans are so eager to see wins and whoever is getting them, whether it was Nathan Peterman in there. And if Peterman won last week and then won another game, there would be a quarterback controversy or whatever you want to call it with my air quotes, um, no matter who's in there. But there definitely were things that we saw from Tyson Bajant that Justin Fields hadn't have has not shown this year, the anticipation throws, the timing, just being willing to let that ball rip. Um, yep. But there are also some, some moments too that like there'd be things that Justin Fields would have done that Tyson Bajan didn't do. Um, I think that you have to look at it through that prism to get the total picture of what happened against the, the Raiders and see kind of what they can build on going forward. Yeah. And, and what I love, uh, we talked about this yesterday uh, over on the Windy City Breeze, like, you got to give me a Cooper Rush run, right? Four and one. Yeah. He's he's throwing fifty eight percent. He's got over a thousand yards. If I get like, you got to give me ridiculous numbers for me to go back and be like, all right, like we might need to change our mind on what we have here in this organization. And maybe that does come right. Maybe he goes out and balls out versus the Chargers, but we haven't even seen the adjustment yet. Right. Yeah. There's going to be an adjustment to the things that he did well. He was very efficient in the short. I mean, really just the short passing game. We didn't get too much intermediate passing game in there. I fully expect to see the Chargers try to take away things short and see how he, he operates with that. The part that I think a lot of fans forget is in now a 17-game season, you need this guy. You yeah. need that backup quarterback that you can go to. I mean, Patrick Mahomes hasn't played full 17 games in, what, three seasons at this point? You need that backup that can step in. Dak Prescott needs that Cooper rush every now and then. Guys get banged up, and you want to have a guy that you can have confidence in turning the football over to. And if Tyson Bajan could be that guy, I love it. I don't think that we're at a this-guy-needs-to-start situation just yet. And even taking the Cooper rush situation into account, they still went back to Dak. Yeah, and they in in teams will like just I, that's why I'm just of the belief that unless barring a, like miraculous performances, and I'm not trying to take away anything that Tyson Bajant did. It's yeah, you know, to play this team needed a jolt like that because if the comeback down to reality after the Washington win was a pretty stark one where it felt like man, the same issues with this offense are popping up. Then you find out Tyson Bajant's going to be the one to play in place of fields, you, yeah. you had an opportunity to pinpoint some of the offense's biggest issues and like what had been, you know, the problem was it the quarterback or was it the offensive coordinator? And I do think that of course there's, you know, this is a good game for Luke Getze. I think he called a really nice game, especially that, game for that, that third quarter drive that just ate up a ton of clock for, um, for the bears. And then, you know, gave them a chance to, to go finish an opponent, something that, yeah. 
you know, they did against Washington. That's that's one example of it. But they've really struggled to in the fourth quarter of games. There's been a lot of turnovers in the fourth quarters of games from the offense. To not have any of those and to have to have things really get executed according to the plan and not having to go off script all that much, I thought was a big benefit. Now it's not always going to be perfect like that, but no. they 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 took a step in the right direction, and that was good for Luke Getze too because sometimes having somebody else in there that can execute closer to what you've asked them to do. Um, that's important. And it's not, it's not a knock against Justin Fields. It's just that it, for as much as they, as they went out and got somebody they believe can operate the way Justin Fields does, there's some very stark con- uh, you know, differences between Justin Fields and, and Tyson Bajan in terms of the throws that they make, the willingness to make some of those throws, but also the natural athleticism. Like, yeah, Tyson Bajan scrambled three times for 24 yards, but to be able to extend plays with your legs the way that we've yeah. seen Justin Fields do, like that, I guess that could be like among the next step of things that they're looking for from Bajan. But again, I I caution people with this because it's cool to see somebody go in there, get to fulfill a dream. I mean, his story alone adds another layer to what happened on Sunday, that he's a D2 guy who, you know, the moment wasn't too big for, kind of like your Rudy sort of story. But if it comes crashing back down to earth, it doesn't mean that he's a bad quarterback. It just means that, you know, he's still got a ways to go before he'd be ready to assume the role of starting quarterback. And, you know, even this season, if even when Fields is healthy. So that's why I'm putting the pause on that. I know that fans are excited and it's good to be excited, but until we see this on a consistent basis and we still, until we see the numbers like Case Keenum was putting up good numbers in 2017 when he took over for a team that went to the NFC championship in Minnesota. Like, I don't think that there's parallels between that situation and the one game that we've seen from Tyson Bajan so far. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for me looking at how the team itself ran the offense, how well they Mm -hmm. did. I mean, Deontay Foreman being back there as your number one running back was a great Mm -hmm. piece for you to be able to fall back on. Yeah, I've got, I just feel like the wheels are, you know, we talk about quarterback competition. What about a running back competition? All right. So like Roshan Johnson, as Matt Eberflew said, had one step to clear in concussion protocol. So that means he could be back this week because if it's following the same timeline as, um, Lucas Patrick, when he came back, he had that one step and he got cleared pretty quickly. What about a running back competition at some point? Because Khalil Herbert comes back or is eligible to return week 10 against Carolina. What do you do if, you know, it's a good problem to have. It's a problem yeah. of, of riches at that point of excess. Oh man, I got three great running backs. Um, am I going to be able to keep all three up on the active roster? Does that mean that a Travis Homer ends up, you know, but what do you do? Special teams. Like there's all these things right. that, that factor in here where I think that's the more underrated, if we want to call anything a positional competition, that's the more underrated one that we're just not talking about. But yes, to your point, before I interrupted there with my train of thought that went like down the rabbit hole on Deontay Foreman, um, he's really efficient and he's not somebody that gets utilized in the passing game all that much. And he's spoken about that, like, but that's a skill that he has. And very clearly that check down throw that Bajent had to him in the third quarter um, that, that, that's, that was a really important moment, I think for this offense, because they built this team still to be, you know, supported by the run game. And no yeah. matter who's in there, you didn't have that drop off this week. I think, I think the toughest part for Deontay Foreman is one Roshan Johnson is kind of young him, mm-hmm. um, but he blocks. 
So for me, even looking at and Roshan blocks like ridiculously well, like lineman technique when he's going down the field and he can play on special teams. I, I, it's weird to say when you have a 900 yard rusher, I don't see how you fit on this team because I see mm-hmm. where Khalil Herbert fits in as the guy who doesn't block and runs the football and kind of has gotten a little better at backfield blocking, but he's going to give you the outside run. He gives you the speed. He's running very hard when he was, when he uh, was running before he got injured, he was running the, the toughest we've seen him run and Roshan Travis Homer's a special teams guy. And then, they're keeping Kari Blasen game. That's your fourth runner basically there. I I want to keep Deontay Foreman active, but the only name that I get, like, are you going to keep five guys who can be in the backfield active? Because no, the only other name I'd say to take off would be Valus Jones because I just don't see a use for him at this point. It, it becomes a tricky numbers game, but that's like the intriguing part of this. Like more, th- again, more than the quarterback stuff. Like I think yeah. there's a real decision that they're going to have to make once – Herbert's able to come back from the ankle injury and he would been, he'd been running the ball. He wasn't great, but like, I think he's, but he's had some good performances, like a, yeah. a good to above good sort of player. I'm not putting him in the category of like top rushers in the NFL, but could he be the odd man out? I think it's a fair Possibly. question at this point because yeah. he's going to have missed by the time he's eligible to come back. You no, know, if, if Roshan Johnson is able to come back this week, that would be, you know, potentially two more games where you might have solidified a backfield that, you know, leads you down the path of, hey, Khalil, take a little bit longer to heal up until they're ready. But it's it, it truly is kind of a wild situation that they've been, you know, able to get so much, especially this game. I mean, they weren't very efficient running the ball. I know they had like 160-something yards against Minnesota, but 40-something of those came from Justin Fields and scrambles. Like, that really went nowhere. Um, yeah. They need. They got a lot more efficient with Deontay Foreman against the Raiders, and you hope to build on that um, in LA. So it gives you a better idea. And if you can add Roshan Johnson into the mix, maybe he's on a pitch count. It would certainly make sense coming off of the two week injury. Then maybe you have a better idea about what this backfield could look like longer term. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. I'm. I'm very intrigued to see kind of what that all whole situation is going to end up playing out being because to me, this is the running back conversation now, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've got three guys who technically are all different. Khalil Herbert's an outside mm-hmm. runner. Deontay Foreman's a better inside runner. Roshan's kind of a weird mix of both of them, but like he's a rookie. So are you going to turn the reins over to a rookie? And you literally can just pick which one you want. To me, this is the running back conversation because at the end of the day, it matters who's opening up the holes in front of you. Yeah, like it is. I, and and finding that right offensive line combination, I think you hit the nail on the head. To me, this is the best offensive line combination we've seen the Chicago Bears put out there this season. Mm-hmm. And we'll see too when Braxton Jones can come back because Matty Berflus left the door open to maybe getting maybe his w- practice window off IR opens up on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, like. Again, like if if things looked as good as they did on send on Sunday, the way that they were. I think you do have to caution yourself against having to like just redo them just simply based on the fact of, Oh, we've got certain guys healthy. I think yeah. that that's, that always comes in the conversation where it shouldn't just be a gimme um, just because somebody came off injured reserve, just because somebody came back, except for, you know, I do think that the quarterback situation is just a little different than that because of the just nature of the position, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, O-line though is, is going to be one to watch too, because Braxton Jones comes back, then, you know, 
for the most part. You and I mean Nate Davis too. We know he's not playing this week, but um, are they better without him? Like, I mean, that's a question that they have to ask. Yeah, it, it's what what is the the uh, latest on Nate Davis? We know he said flu said week to week, but week to mm-hmm. week for flus could mean day to day. It could mean he's done for the rest of the year. And week we saw Tevin Jenkins a little be bit week longer to week for months. Yeah, it's always I always take that to like mean it's a little bit longer than just like game to game that it could be something that gets dragged out. You know, he missed last week. He's going to miss yeah. this week. It's a high ankle sprain. Um, I, I, I don't take that to mean game to game. I take that to mean a little bit, something that could project out to be a little bit longer, but clearly yeah. they didn't, it's not long enough to where they'd want to put him on injured reserve. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's the hope, right? Because <laughs> I mean, isn't that how we did Tevin? He was week to week. And then all of a sudden one day they were like, yeah, he's done. Yeah, he's he's done. done. We, we don't know what to do. Like, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Flues. Appreciate that. Um, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball a little bit, because we saw some really good things from this defense, especially one specific player who threw the money logo. He's telling them, pay me throwing the cash in here. Said he's absolutely sending the message. Uh, Jalen Johnson, the one thing that we could knock on him was takeaways. He comes mm-hmm. away with two of them here. Where are we now with the Jalen Johnson contract situation and or possibly moving Jalen Johnson? Because I guess on the flip side of it, right, he's never going to have higher value than he has right now. And that's something I think that as much as people are like, how could you possibly trade him now? Um, like you have to realistically have that conversation if someone calls because like you're right, like his value is is probably the highest it's going to be two interception day against two different quarterbacks. Um, and one of those being a pick six, his first career yeah. pick six. I, I understand the message he's sending there that look, I've told, I, I've been terrific in coverage this year. There's probably not yeah. a stick, a sticky 22 against like, he's been terrific. And um, I, I, you know, his value to this team is immense. So like you wouldn't move him because you're thinking, what are we going to do on the back end of the de- this defense? I've made this point a hundred times in the last two weeks. Like Terrell yeah. Smith is not coming back for a little bit because of his injuries of mono. Um, they, they can't afford to not have a cornerback like that opposite Tyreek Stevenson. And you want the secondary, which has come into its own really the last like couple games you know, the pass rush is slowly coming along. They've had, they got two sacks last week and that's fine. But if you want the strength of your team to be the strength of your team, you don't mess with that chemistry uh, right now. So like, I don't feel like at this point, it's likely that they trade him. I just feel like they're going to stand pat because they also had to learn last year of like what they went through when they traded Roquan Smith, just as things were starting to look up um on the defensive side of the ball that like kind of killed momentum for them like I understand the rationale and the logic of doing it even though now we can all play you know Monday morning quarterback on this and be like wow look at what Roshan's doing on you know really good you know top three Baltimore defense and look how much of a contributor he is and look at what your linebackers here have and of course you know Tremaine Edmonds gets an interception first as a bear uh, last game and TJ Edwards has you know uh, been solid but yeah. it's not to the level of production that they you have right now from one player in Baltimore and I I just think that they can't do that two years in a row I really don't and so I, I kind of put the Jalen Johnson being traded as a long shot but you have to look at this entire equation to where he has been really productive this year and it's so rare that a cornerback 
comes on the market like that that can really upgrade your secondary at the trade deadline. So would if if more if calls come in on him, I I would not be surprised if the volume of those increase just based on what has happened for him the last couple of games. But as far as him getting paid, now we've never seen a midseason extension from the Chicago Bears under Ryan Poles. So does that something that happens in the offseason? Is it something that happens like you don't want to be knee jerk reaction? Like they don't they don't need to go pay him right now. Right. Um, like this week after one game, but I would, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this ends up like, why wouldn't you want to have this player part of your defense long-term going forward? Like very clearly he's a, he's a cornerstone from a cultural standpoint. Like he's a leader in this locker room. He's been around the block. You know, the injury history is not there yeah. despite him, you know, the hamstring earlier costing him a game or two. Like he's, He's somebody's young too. He's twenty five years old. You can build around this guy. Have this guy be part of the defense and building around players like you're building blocks on defense. Yeah, and I, I the biggest question to me that Ryan Poles has to ask with Jalen Johnson is: once we get the pass rush solidified, mm-hmm. do we then get the takeaways? Because I mean, listen, there's no uh, there's his resume is of those that are elite. Of, of the top DBs in the NFL, he just doesn't have the takeaway numbers. When you look at pass breakups, QBR against, uh, 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 amount of time that the receivers are open on him, right? Like the, there's so many things that you look at and you just go, well, this is elite, this is elite, this is elite, this is elite. But you don't have any picks. But how often, I mean, heck, uh, 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 Kyle Fuller all of a sudden became an elite DB when quarterbacks were in fear of Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks running into them. You know, like when do we see, do you have that in your mind of, okay, if we add this, he's going to become one of the best DBs in the league. And if you are having that conversation, are you getting him at a discount? Are you paying him like he's, you know, Savian Howard? Are you like, how, where do you rank him right now uh, as far as DBs in the league with that as well? Yeah. I mean, the takeaway numbers teams pay for picks. Like that just is what it is. And I don't think it's not going to be. I mean, he was very realistic earlier this season when Trayvon Diggs got his deal, five yep. years, ninety something million dollars. Um, he said, "Like that's just you know that's not money. That's like honestly, it's just not an attainable contract for him." But I think a solid three year extension, um, and I would just be I would just be spitballing on these numbers, but like somewhere like a three year, fifty million dollar extension, maybe somewhere a little bit below that, a little bit above it. Like I just you've got to think of like some of the other pieces that they have on defense that eventually are going to come up for contract extensions. Like you want to time those up with Jalen Johnson. And yeah. you also have, you know, guys like unique and Gakwe, like he's here on a one year on a one year deal. Like if he shows you that he's somebody that you want long-term, are you trying to like get all of these contracts to give yourself a window um, the next couple of years, because you're going to have to, potentially Justin Fields. I'm just throwing that out there because he would be next in line, um, you know, down the line for a quarterback contract with a fifth year option first coming up and either cap planning could never be more important than this moment right now where they can't be, they can't be too frugal with it because they don't need to be. They again, going into the 2024 off season, have the most cap space the way that they did last year. And I just, you don't let good players walk out the door. That's common sense. And Last year, you're going to come to you're going to talk to people in the organization who did not believe that that was the right thing. That 
you know, moving on from, I mean, Robert Quinn's one thing at his age, sack numbers, of course, regressed, but like Roquan Smith was a cornerstone of this franchise the first couple of years of his career. Um, and that, that hurt the locker room when they traded away a player like that. And it certainly hurt the defense. You don't want to go through that again. So I don't think you do that with Jalen Johnson. I don't think you move him. Um, He's their best tradable asset right now, but it just yeah. doesn't make sense given where they are. And you don't want to stifle momentum and progress when you're just starting to see it now with the defense. Yeah, and and it, it's hitting at the right time, right? And that would, I mean, you, you're basically talking about $17 million. You got to put some in that J.C. Jackson, Tredavious, White, Xavier, Howard territory. Mm-hmm. And he's been a lot healthier than a couple of those guys. So uh, it'll be... It'll be uh, interesting to see kind of how the Jalen Johnson situation all gets done, keeping it uh, trade deadline conversation because I mean the trade deadline is quick a week from today. Yeah, crazy. I mean like it, it's it's here, it's coming. Uh, is there anything else that we're hearing that the Bears could be involved in, or is it all quiet on the Bears front? I think it's quiet on the Bears front because okay, Mooney's name floated, and it's just like yeah. all right, why is it being floated? Well. You know, he's in, he's in year four of his rookie deal. Like, they haven't paid him yet. Like, maybe a team needs a number three receiver. I don't know. I don't think that he's – and it's nothing really against him. I mean, he has not put up the numbers this year that would make him a great tradable asset. But his name always pops up, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. But, like, Ed, Eddie to me is is a non-starter because of the injuries. Nobody's trading for an injured an, – in, a seven-year veteran injured safety who re-aggravated this injury enough to where he had to miss last game. So that's not happening. Um, I don't think there's anybody else. I mean, you know, if you were to think about last week um, after Cody Whitehair's benching, then it's like, all right, well, he's got, it would make sense just in principle only because right now they're telling you until Nate Davis comes back, which who knows how long that'll be, that they believe that their best offensive line combination features Cody Whitehair at left guard. Yeah. The reason I thought at least last week it made sense is because he's got one more year left in his contract. I do not believe that he will be part of this team next year going forward because it's so expensive to keep him. And, you know, he's in, you know, been in the league since 2016. I think you can probably upgrade that position for um, either cheaper or yo- cheaper and younger for sh- younger yeah. for sure. But you can do it for the draft. You can probably do it through free agency. I don't like that's the reason I was like thinking, okay, this one would make sense. But otherwise, I don't see I don't see the Bears moving anybody. I really don't because just at two and five, are they in the playoff mix? No. Are they probably a playoff team this year? No. But you need to be able to build on progress. And that might be six, seven wins total this season, yeah. hit it hitting kind of where we thought they would be. And you don't get there by tearing down your roster. You don't. Like you they, we learned that like hard truth last year. You don't get there. By doing that. So for the Bears, I don't think that they end up moving anybody. Had they lost this game against the Raiders, had, you know, if they were like winless at this point, yeah, that conversation's happening um, a lot quicker than uh, than it is now. But there's like a bunch of players. And I just, I don't know. Like Kirk Cousins is not getting moved at the deadline. I'm convinced of it. Look, they're in the hunt now. They're three and four. Um, he played out of his mind last night. He would be the quarterback name that, you would think would pop up, but he said he doesn't, or like, you know, through, through sources said that he's not going to waive his no trade clause. Um, some of the bigger names though, that we're like keeping an eye on Derek Henry, where could he end up? Feels like Tennessee started the, you know, they've just made that trade yesterday with Kevin Byard uh, going to the fill to the, um, uh, to the Eagles, you know, 
what else is Tennessee going to do here at this point? And then, of course, like the bigger names that we see, like on teams that are, you know, offloading pieces. Like when you think about defensive players that could potentially intrigue the Chicago Bears, what about Montez Sweat? What about Chase Young? Like I think the commanders at this point have to be big time sellers, uh, just given everything that they've been through this year and kind of where their record is. No, it's it's interesting, especially with Washington, just because, right, like that that team, like there's so many pieces on there that you see as like you could pay this guy. Maybe maybe you keep guys around, but like what are they building towards? Like, they're such a confusing team. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw. I mean, would you be surprised if we saw a couple pieces off of that defensive line move? Because it's not like it's an elite defensive line with a defense that still allows, I think, the the. 28th most pass yards in the NFL. Yeah, and that's why I think with Chase Young and Montez Sweat, two guys that, you know, you have to think about it. Like, is this coaching staff going to be there next year with a brand new ownership group? Probably not. Uh, They're probably going to want to go a different direction. They're going to have to go a different direction at quarterback. Um, They have to. (laughs) I don't know what they're going to, like, I don't, I don't know if you can keep this defense, especially when you have, it's so front loaded with your pass rush like an expensive pieces too. I mean, you know, they've got Jonathan Allen on the inside, Deron Payne. Um, yeah. I think that this is, the, this is a perfect time for them to be sellers. And I, you know, there's going to be teams calling because, you know, it, you know, speaking of other pass rushers, I do the Vikings now stand pat with Daniel Hunter after all of those conversations that were coming up, you know, the guy reworked Can his contract you? for the umpteenth time going into training camp. Like, I don't know if they can't. I don't know. I, it would make sense for them too. I don't know what they're going to do. But for me, I look at that situation and think that they're not going to be in the market to sell Daniel Hunt to you know move on from Daniel Hunter. And the interest. This is to me. This is one of the more interesting deadlines because it, and maybe you won't see a ton of movement outside of some of those names, right? But there are so many teams in the league right now that you look at and you go, I mean, okay, the three and four, but like, what's their goal or, or they're two and four, but maybe they can get on a run. I look at the saints, even three and four. I mean, mm-hmm. you got the quarterback, you think in place here in Derek Carr, if he can stay healthy out there, do you want to add to that team? If you're the Packers, are you thinking about subtracting from your team at this? Like there are so many questions on so many teams around the league because everyone's three and four, two and five like there's so much like we're just here yeah that's like that's kind of the beauty of the nfl this season because you even saw it last night on monday night football people are wondering what the hell's wrong with the san francisco 49ers losing on the road they were favored by i think three points at cleveland they lose on the road to minnesota where they were favored by six and a half everyone's vulnerable. Like there are a lot of two lost teams that are really, really good. The Ravens, the Dolphins, San Francisco, uh, the Lions. And I just, I think that there's kind of like, you have, you know, the upper echelons of the Kansas cities and Philadelphia's two teams that went to the Super Bowl last year. They're going to be contending for a Super Bowl. And there's that tier below. And then kind of like the middle part, which would probably Dallas would probably fit into that mix and a couple other teams. And then, it's everybody else. So there's no outside of Carolina. There's no like super bad, God awful team right yeah. now. There's a couple two win teams, but two win teams that have, you know, put things together in the last couple of weeks, like the Chicago bears who now have won two of three. So 
it's the landscape of the NFL. Like it's just why I typically think that we never, I mean, last year teams were more aggressive at the deadline. Yeah. Um, and even Ryan Poles, when he was on the pregame show two weeks ago, said that he expected people to be the more teams to be sellers than buyers. Um, maybe it's just changing the way because of the, the parody that we're seeing in the league of like teams that even at three and four, like the Vikings feel like, okay, we're not completely out of this at the near halfway point of the season. Um, I don't know. It's it, there's a lot there. And I do think that this trade deadline in years past, it's never been a very sexy time in the NFL yeah. calendar, but this year, like it, it very well could be because of the and, pieces out there that could be pushed through to different teams. And and here's the question, right? Could the bears be a team that tries to take advantage of that? There's a lot of teams that are sellers. Could the bears mm -hmm. actually be buyers, even though they're not sellers at this deadline? Do you see them maybe trying to go out there and get a chase young, get a, I, I doubt Daniel Hunter, right? Because mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins isn't leaving. You got to try to compete. He's not yeah. waving his no trade clause. So you no, gotta I mean, it's in, and remember chase young was in like, you know, he was rumored to be a target for the bears a couple yeah. months ago before you know, before he like had participated in any form of training camp. So I think that it's a possibility. I mean, this is just kind of, you know, figuring out what the holes are in this roster and knowing that you would have a, have a young player, a former first round pick who has been healthy. And if you can upgrade your defensive line, because again, the pass rushes come along really slow, They're two sacks again, like they keep kind of like adding, but like adding very um, like, you know, kind of minimally. It's not like you right. have like games where they have like, you know, they're pressuring the quarterback. They get like 10 quarterback hits and three or four sacks. But if the price, you know, I, Washington is going to be fielding a lot of calls. It just, again, it would not surprise me if the bears end up being one of those teams that tries to get in the mix for teams that are sellers on, on a position that could really help them long-term. That's not a one-year move. That's not a rental. That's somebody that you anticipate being part of your core going forward. And it would make sense. Yeah. We'll see what the bears end up doing. I mean, listen, this, there's a, uh, there's, so many question marks with our team alone, as well as teams around the NFL. Who's the team that you think uh, does add that is going to be the most helped at this deadline? Well, we already know Philly did. Um, I mean, they need a help. Big in add too. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Lie. That was a big add. They need help at safety, and they they also need like depth at cornerback too because they're so injured. But yeah. um, the Chiefs, like you know, getting McCall Hardman back there, like they've got they're trying to figure it out on offense. Like the Chargers game was the one time that that offense looked like the Kansas City Chiefs offense of old. So yeah. you, you, we know that this team has to be, the passing game has to be more than Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Adding there um, is this, it's the smart move and was the smart move. But I I mean, when we think about like potential buyers, right? when is Aaron Rodgers coming back? Do we know? Like, I mean, this is a situation where if you're – the New York Jets and they're just coming off their bye week. They're three and three. Maybe they try to, to I don't think they're going to be like big spenders, but like yeah. if they really think like, I think honestly what their strategy of what they do will tell you how far along Rogers is. And if they think they still have a window here to, to win with him this year. There's a, the fact that we're talking about him possibly. Coming I know it's, is, it's Kind of annoying, but it's just, you know, it is it is the modern medicine marvels that he he always like takes, you know, he always takes uh, exception to in talking about. So we'll see. But I mean, that's another team, I think, that could end up being buyers at the deadline. 
it's it's going to be an interesting deadline for sure. I think uh, that, you know, as, as we head into this Sandy or San Diego, I'm taking it back as we head into this Chargers game. Uh, it'll be interesting kind of to see if the Bears do try to add anything here that gives you a little more oomph going up against L.A. Uh, any more nuggets for us, Courtney, before we get up out of here? Yeah, I mean, I am going to be really curious to see this week, just the guys that come off of um, injured reserve, like if Braxton Jones window opens and what this means for Roshan Johnson, if, you know, he, you know, if he's cleared to practice, I mean, he can practice with like one hurdle left. It just usually means like no contact or he's got to wear a red jersey. So we'll see tomorrow when we're out there. But um, if they're getting healthy at the right time. And if the offense continues to look like it did last week, and it really is like a whole, it was such a complete game. I know Matty Rufus, the first thing he said was complimentary football. And I know that that's sometimes, you know, the, the term that's overused, but I really can't think of a game that illustrates that more than what we saw with Bajent in his first start and seeing if they can replicate that or if that was just that they caught the Raiders on a day where. Brian Hoyer uh, their was starting. Pa- their pa- yeah, the, the decisions that the team made, whether it was, you know, their time, man- their clock management, their quarterback decisions. Like, I don't know why Aiden O'Connell didn't start the second half with how oh bad God. Brian Hoyer was. But um, we'll see if we'll see kind of like what that game was a byproduct of, I think, yeah. against the Chargers. Hey, let's see. Let's hope, uh, you know, getting Braxton Jones back in there. He's ready to go. That'll be that'll be good to see the offensive line start to kind of piece this thing together. I'm I'm convinced at this point that like the first four games of the season are preseason. I'm I'm fully convinced after seeing how quickly teams started to switch things over after the first four games. I'm fully convinced now that we just don't need to care about the first four games anymore. But as always, it's your boy Pat the Designer back at it again, joined by Courtney Cronin as we went through so much with the Bears today, and we'll see what they end up doing. Courtney, appreciate you joining as always, and make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe to the page, and drop a bar down in the comments below. Leave that five-star review. You know what to do. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Peace.